1: Welcome to Lama Surya Awakening Now podcast. This podcast is an expression of our shared connection. We depend on you, our community of listeners for support. Please go to mindpodnetwork.com/suryadas and you can either click on the donate button or bookmark the Amazon link. We get a small percentage of all of your purchases. Or you can go and sign up for a free trial with audible.com. Your support will allow Lama Surya to continue to illuminate the timeless Tibetan wisdom.
2: The instruction, especially if you're new here, I want to reiterate the basic instruction of the natural meditation is the three naturals. Just sitting, just breathing, just awaring. Awareness is a verb, presencing, awaring. I'm not talking about concentrating on the breathing here, that's a different meditation. I'm talking about awareness, naked awareness, it's hard to describe. So you put words around it, but the more naked and stripped down, the better. Like Kuntasampo, the naked Buddha of the Dharmakaya, formless, infinite, not a thing, yet everything. All pervasive, spontaneously manifest, every moment, the great perfection. Primordial Buddha-ness, So, just sitting, natural body, and aware of physical sensations. These are the instructions, and just breathing. Not breath-holding, not breath-pumping like in yoga practices, and so on. Here, natural breath, letting the breath gently flow and even recede and quiet, and, but not trying to quiet it down, just relaxing into it. Relaxing, and naturalness is one of or two of the principles of Dzogchen practice. And third, natural heart-mind, just being. Not visualizing, not mantra chanting, not radiating light, not praying for world peace, not healing. In this case, in this time, there are times for those things. But at this time, just being. Balancing all, all our doings, our busy doings, all year round and all day and night with just being for a few moments to the extent that we can. It's simple, but it's not so easy, is it, just to be. What should I do? How to just be? Am I doing it right? And so forth. We wonder, of course. That's natural. So I'm going over it again and again, reiterating. Just being as at ease. That's the order. At ease. First attention and then at ease in this Dzogchen army. Actually, it's more like the Zogchen knots. At ease. And natural, as it is, is the great Zogchen slogan. As it is. And if you want to know what to do, being a human doing rather than a human being, leave it as it is. That's the next step, if you must. As it is. Second, leave it as it is. Which leads us back to really the first one, as is. But the third step is being as is. Three steps to naturalness. It's really a circle. You come back to where you start. As is, leave it as it is. Is what you do, and then as is, as it is. Being as is is the third step. If you insist, if you want to know what the path is, that's the view, meditation, and action in, in a nutshell. Kind of nutty, but in a nutshell. But very uh, precise. Although it's a little, uh, you know, hard to penetrate that at first. If we had a good drawing, it wouldn't be hard, like in a circle, not three sequential steps. So in this Dzogchen practice, emphasizing awareness, not concentrating. You have not heard me here calm and clear the mind. or will concentrate. We'll count the breath as you do in some other meditations. This is very precise instructions, and if you've been coming here for years, you know that I've been saying this ad nauseum again and again, the same thing. These are pith instructions from the Zogchen meditation tradition of the great perfection. I'm not just making it up. Of course I'm talking in English, but with translated from Tibetan from the oral masters, from the oral lineage. Also you can read it in books. It's hard to get it from books. But we're trying to transmit something here, not just teach and describe about it. But of course it's there, it's in the scriptures, it's in the teachings, it's in the Vajra songs, Songs of Enlightenment, you can read it. Also in my books, of course, particularly in the book called Natural Great Perfection that I wrote with my late teacher, Neosho and Rinpoche, the co-founder of the Zogchen Center in America. Natural Great Perfection. So, zokchen songs and teachings of Nosho Ken Rinpoche. Thank you, Christopher. I think the third one would be more like being as is. Get rid of the it. Thank you. And this is a balance we can see, as always, between effort and non effort, just like in the three steps of the uh, stages of the meditation session. First, Making effort to breathe, to to hold the breath, to chant, to whatever we're doing. Pray with concepts, with words. Effort, concentrating, focusing on doing that. And then letting go and opening to the wisdom of allowing, of releasing, of letting be, of letting things come and go. Letting be. Letting go means letting be. That's the secret. Not letting go and trying to drive things away. I hear too much about letting go in the Buddhist ghetto, and people are trying to drive things away. Throw it away. No. It's like if you have too many balls up in the air, do you have to throw them away? No. Just let, it dro- let, them dro- let them go. Let them drop. They'll drop away. You don't have to throw them away. Even if they bounce up, they stop bouncing eventually. That's the nature of karma, inertia, entropy. I don't know what. That's life. If you don't keep the gerbil wheel spinning, my little gerbils, it won't spin anymore. That's the law of karma. If you don't keep refilling the tank, the vehicle doesn't keep going, etc. So first with some effort and then emphasizing more the effortless effort and then at the end again with some effort, going out singing and praying and of course wishing and striving for a better world to be better people and help co-create a better world. Of course, and and carry that into life in action, not just praying it here on your cushion. Of course, walking the talk, taking it into action and so forth, and all the paramita virtues of the bodhisattva or just the mensch, the decent human being. So again, if you're new here, by the way, uh, Jan, Ron, is there a beginner's meeting this afternoon? I don't see it on the schedule. What time? Okay, so they know that, uh, right? Good. So if you're a beginner here, you know, whatever that means to you, you decide. I don't really see beginners and advanced people. I just, you know, it's all one big blur to me of oneness, I mean, oneness. There's that meeting with some assistant teachers to get clarification. But um, I do want to say people still ask me on day two or three, so what are we supposed to do when we're sitting and meditating? So I'm going over that again and again, the three naturals and so on. But now I'm going to open the floor to questions. Well, I can I can talk on forever and all week, and I will. But really questions and kind of laser coaching is the best way to do this. Also, I said a lot this morning. We had guided meditation. We had Dharma talk. Now we're going to have question and answers. Anything? Come on, first one's free. I'll be nice to the first person <laughs> if I can manage it. Oh, good, everything's clear. Okay, I can go and watch football today. I'd forgotten about football until he just mentioned it. <laughs> um, I'm sorry, uh, that was a slip. I, uh, I hate to distract you. From, <laughs> even though you're wearing a big poppy jacket, uh, you're distracting me the whole <laughs> meditation session. <laughs> um, I'd never heard the I'm term. I'm supposed to be thinking of Buddha and all I'm thinking about is big poppy. Well, he carries the Buddhiness <laughs> <laughs> and the red socks. Uh, exactly. Um, I've never heard the term a wearing. Uh, and trying to get my arms around it. Um kind of in the concept of, of no self. Who who is awaring? There's no where is the self in the awaring? That's why I use that word, rather than say you should be aware. That's why we're talking about being rather than doing. As soon as there's doing you you seem you seem stuck with the doer and the action, the done, and the interaction, the three wheels in Buddhist psychology, subject, object, and interaction. So So we're trying to strip it down. You watching the breath is a very dualistic subject, object, interaction, karmic activity with a purpose and a goal and therefore karmic results. Awareness alone has, theoretically, no such three wheels interacting karma cause and effect. So that's why it's called non-dual awareness or non-conceptual. There's no thinker, thoughts, and thinking. So that's why I coined the term, you know, "awaring." It's just like a smart rabbi said, God is a verb. Rather than always trying to think about what God is, we try to understand the divine activity, uh, which we're not separate from, you know, if you're a theist. So, verb So I hope that's helpful. So that's why I'm a little bit playing or coining with the words, you know, like aware, naked awareness, presencing, not you should be more, you know, you should be present and all that. Of course, all that is in there in the background, and we've all heard that a million times, so we're trying to have a fresh take on it. Like, how can you be when you already are, what's the problem? Well, what is the problem? That's that's the problem. That's the issue that the great perfection teaches, that the absolute truth, that the great perfection, that non-dual teaching brings up. What is the problem? When I Buddha said, when I was awakened, all were awakened. So, what's your complaint? Put it in the complaint box. I mean, that's why we're here. Otherwise, everything looks, from Buddha's point of view, everything is fine. But from the point of view of beings and dualism and what's going on in the world, maybe not so fine. So I hope we're communicating.
3: Any any verb, really, within the context of no-self is is it's just, that's the verb. You know, Let's
2: talk just, about no-self since you're bringing that up again. That's the verb that's there. Yeah, let's talk about no self. What are you, what are you thinking about? What, what are you coming from, anatta? you think about anatta in anatta. Buddhism? Yeah. So let's talk about anatta. Anatta is often translated as no self, but as I mentioned yesterday, it really means no separate, independent self. So there's more to say than that. No self. Also, anatta can mean no, go- uh, no owner and no governor. God is not running the show. You're not running the show. Uh, maybe Poppy's running the show, but probably not. You know, Maybe the person in front of the room's running the show, but not really. And so forth. So that raises some interesting questions. Who's running the show? Who's on first, as Buddha asked? Or maybe it was Abbot and Costello. You know what I'm talking about? So it's not just there is no self. In Buddhist thinking, you, some schools of thought explain it like that there's a relative self and an absolute, no, you know, anatta, like no separate, independent self to be found. The relative self is the healthy, adult, individuated ego. You know, if you're hungry and I eat, you don't feel satiated. So there's a relative separation in the world duality. There's a relative self with all that comes with it. Personality and character and karma and action and consciousness and, you know, life, aging, death, whatever. It comes with it. Joy and sorrow. But the absolute transpersonal being, to use a psychological term, is not a separate independent self. So what is it? It's not impersonal. That's why they use the fancy term transpersonal being. It's beyond personal. Or in the Vedanta tradition of Hinduism, self with a capital S. It's kind of a a selfless self. I mean, just, I don't know exactly the same, but people like to say it's the same. So in Zen, you see this mind with a small M in the books and mind with a capital M. So it's not just the small self, ego, separate mind, thinking, rational mind, but the Buddha mind, which is not mind as we understand it. And it's not Buddha, either. It's a cosmic, universal, inexpressible. So I hope that's helpful. And this, of course, this is a very rich area of inquiry. First of all, as human beings, everybody goes more or less everybody through their identity crisis and growing up and, you know, individuating and who am I separate from my parents or my you know, peers or my whatever, right? And why am I here as you get older and wonder about those things? And what am I here in the world for? And what am I supposed to do in life and so forth? But also philosophically or spiritually, you know, the soul, the atma, the self, um, death, is there anything after death? What is the soul? What is the Atma? What is the spirit? The nature of identity is a deep issue, not just a teenage issue in your, you know a teenage issue will last till your 50s or 60s or 70s, probably. And should, in a healthy, appropriate way, of course. So there's a lot to say about that. And then, you know, I don't know if you're a Buddhist or not. You're a Red Sox, so that's like close to Buddha. Uh, um, You know, people ask, we all ask. It's a timeless, evergreen question. Then what is reborn? What's all this with rebirth if there's no self? But you should ask the questions. I, I don't want to prime the pump. You know, what is the self and what is Buddha. There's also a good question. Well, God, I mean, these are, you know, human questions. It's not just us here, and it's not just this century or this generation, and it's not just Buddhism, right? So these are, you know, it's, it's worth thinking about. And not just thinking about also trying to penetrate through other ways, which is what we're doing. Who has the mic? Yes, Linda, how are Linda. you, sweetie? <laughs> well,
0: nice I'd to l- see you.
4: Thank you very much. Uh, when I first started to do this practice, um, it seemed like once you got in the view, if everything seemed to go smoothly and you could let everything come and go and all that. But as I go on now, I've sort of hit a bump where, you know, I'm just kind of facing death and things like that and seriously. And, uh, I've noticed that what's coming is fear and anxiety and worry. Things I've never done before. I can still sit in the view, but I f- I feel it more. It's more intense, and I don't know if I'm just mentally sort of masturbating myself with worrying about things like that, or if it's a function of abiding and just letting whatever arises. The things that I, and I in other words, I didn't feel fear and anxiety in the past because I didn't probably didn't I'm go deep I'm going to stop you it. there. Yeah.
2: I don't believe you that you didn't feel fear and anxiety in the past. So you said that twice now. So one might question that.
4: Well, I mean, and then the whole thing
2: becomes, (laughs) uh, you know, it's worth uh, questioning a little like, what are you really doing or after here? And what are you really feeling? So I don't believe exactly you know, in general, and also knowing you personally, so specifically, that you haven't experienced fear and anxiety in the past. Maybe it wasn't about old age and death, right. but it was about something else. Right. So, uh, and then, you know, you're feeling it more intense. We use the word like intense and all, you know, this is very much part of your karma or your energy and all. So I think all of this needs to be taken into account. But then now let's talk about death I'm I'm much younger than you, so I don't know much about this. So <laughs> I don't really feel much fear and anxiety about death. Although I was telling Wiz Timo, my attendant, something about that this very morning. But let's pretend that I, I wasn't. And so I, I really think it would be interesting to hear the wisdom of some of the more elder states people here. So I'm looking around the room, and we don't have our elder states pe- person from... Apple. Evelyn. So we'll just kind of work down the totem pole and maybe we'll scrape the bottom of the barrel who's here. Marvin! Marvin, what do you think about this? Fear, anxiety, death? Does this bear on the question of self or losing yourself or oblivion? You know, what
5: happens to me? Any thoughts? Well, I mean, I can share with you my personal thoughts. Sure. Uh, no fear, uh, no hope. I mean, my Lama, called Lama Das, he's taught me over the years that uh, um, why fear or 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 have no fear, and I guess my experience here, Lama Surya, is um, as I practice daily and study and practice and that sort of thing and think about our retreats and um i get to where it doesn't bother me i'm okay and uh you know whether you're 20 or whether you're much older you never know when you're going to die i don't see the point in really waiting until you get to be uh, 70 or 80 or whatever the case may be To have fear, I mean, damn. I mean, you can go out and get hit. You can have anything can happen. So, uh, I guess what I'm saying, what I am saying, I'm not guessing at what I'm saying, is that uh, I live my life sort of the way uh, you teach us to live. The Buddha taught us to live, is just be there and be and um, let it go. I mean, let the shit fly. I mean, uh, go away, as you say. Um, go away?
2: What do you mean? Can you mean let go? Let the shit go, go away?
5: Yeah, just just be in. So, can I take advantage of your picking on me here for a minute and ask you another question? May I?
2: I'd rather you wait till we're finished with Linda. Okay. And All so right. just push the pause button. I know you're an ex professor, so it's hard to pause <laughs> okay. yourself, but we'll get back to you. Remind me because I won't remember. Linda. Can you, uh, you know, so Marvin was saying something about why now all of a sudden, you know, like you're facing death, are you having a bad diagnosis, or, you know, are your biochemistry changing, or you're, you know, whatever.
4: Well, it could be any of it, but, you know, like... I used to be an interventional radiologist and every once in a while sometimes you think maybe you really made a mistake and you're just not sure and ever, all the blood runs out of your body and you get pins and needles all over and you feel like oh boy I really did it this time of course most of the time it turns out all right but that physiologic feeling that's triggered by you know having to actually face death It's new to me, and I, you know... Okay.
2: So I'm wondering about that, since we talk about facing death and contemplating impermanence, death and mortality all the time in Buddhist practice and teachings, and here, the retreats we have every year, twice, where you come to and other places. So why now? What's happening now? That's what I'm asking. What are you feeling now? What's going on?
4: Well, I mean, it's, I'm facing it. I mean, I have something, and I have to face it, but... Uh it's, it's more like I should be able to abide in the view.
2: Yeah, you should. But should a big word, up. as you know, you're shitting on your head. I mean, should <laughs> on your head. Well,
4: yeah, I mean, it's normal human things to yeah. feel freaked out and things like that. But
2: You weren't freaked out when Linda Dean died, well, who yes. was a lot younger than you, or Anne LeShue this winter. Yes. Both of them, you know, much younger than you or me.
4: Right. Oh, yes. Yeah, and right. other people. It's, it seems I like cannonballing. It's cannonballing, is what's happening.
2: Well, yeah. you're back I to cannonball and intense. So, I think we need to talk privately about what's going on with you and your, you know, how you're taking care of yourself and stuff like that. And if you need to today, maybe you can talk to somebody, like Yeshe or Janet or somebody. Yeah. You know? Okay? Well, yeah. Would you?
4: Yeah, I'm fine. Thank but you. I just need to have know that it's okay that these things just come up all the, just all of a sudden. Like normally, I it's guess okay. Everybody has things. it's okay. Everybody has
2: things, yeah. and I should just rest in the view is a little too much. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I should too, but I get upset too. You know. Okay. like Go when ahead. the Red Sox lose and things like that. <laughs> yeah, but you no. Know, also, when, when shit happens, when I get a bad diagnosis, or or some of my friends or or teach, gurus die or other bad thing, you know. I mean, just look at the news every day. You could you could get quite upset.
4: Thank you, thank you.
2: I hope you're okay not having a bad time. Um, Marvin, yes, thanks Judy.
5: Thank you, and if I could add one more comment to that. Go ahead, Marvin. Is that one of the earlier books that you recommended when I first started going to your retreats was um, the Tibetan book of living and dying, Rinpoche. and <laughs> I don't think this contradicts too much what I was saying earlier, but I read the living part, and I let the other go. <laughs> Very clever. But, but uh, because the teachings <laughs> is the same. Anyway, <laughs> but. But the the Zogin Sunday morning group, which is meeting now in Wilmington, North Carolina, um, we decided to read the whole book. And so we read it again and read the the death part of it. And it's really, really interesting. I mean, I don't buy all the Tibetan lore or cosmology that I read there, but it's really interesting. And you mentioned Linda Dean and and Anne, of course, uh, whom we've lost in the past year. Um, I mean, I have photographs of them on my on my altar, and 49 days have passed, but I'm with them sort of every day, and it really helps me a lot to have no fear. I mean, it really does, but uh, anyway, my, the thing that I ask, if I could ask, is that you said uh, this morning that um, you're trying to transmit, not just teach. And um, I'm, of course, was thinking about transmit and just what does it mean and what does it mean to me and so forth, I just want to add my comment is that I feel like Lama Suri, and I know I've said this in many words before, I feel like you don't just transmit, that you transcend me over the the gaps, and you just sort of pick me up and put me on the other side and- uh, Throw you? Pardon? Throw you over Wait. to the other side. <laughs> well, well, it, 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 I don't have to, to work to get over there. I feel like you just picked me up and dropped me over there, sort of. And uh, I've said that before, but Thank anyway, you, Marvin. Um,
2: That's very flattering. But let's not forget, as it's taught, there's the automatic transmission and there's the manual transmission traditions <laughs> of practice, and these things come together.
5: Right. Well, that's my thought. It's a it's a it's a wonderful feeling of bliss when that happens. Thank you. Very gratifying. And it happens every time I go through a guided meditation following <coughs> you.
2: So speaking of Evelyn, while I remember Janet, Ron, could you reach out, email her, and make sure she's okay? Just say hi for me or something, and see if you get an answer. Thank you. Questions, please. Yes, Anora. Hi. Hi. Hi.
3: I grabbed the mic. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, I find meditating um, challenging, Um, and as I I know, as I go through the week, I'll be exhausted (laughs) more by the meditation than by the hours and other things that I do, and um, um, I stick with it. I think it's... There's something there for me. Um, but I read a book recently uh, uh, written by a scientist that spoke about an experience she had where she lost the left the use of her left side of her brain. And she found herself in her right side of her brain with, yes. in a blissful state. Um, I like that.
2: I think I know what you're talking about, Jill Bolt Taylor and her stroke of insight.
3: I can't hear it. Um, you're not hearing? Well, now I am. I don't know. Okay. I had to adjust it.
2: Anyway, um, I, I often wonder, and you've been meditating a long time, so uh, why you you get so tired? You're so strained at it. You get so tired. I mean, it must be more relaxing here and restful than wherever you live in some big city or something. <laughs> um. <laughs> Actually, don't you live like on an island in the Caribbean? Well, I think I So it must be stressful just being in New York. No wonder why meditating here in New York <laughs> is so tiring. <laughs> why don't you just stay home in front of your hearth like Nosho well, Kempo says?
3: Part of me thinks that that to some extent I'm almost f- fearful of of being able to get somewhere with it. I know when I came well, that's in That's interesting. And by that I mean when I came in here last night when I first arrived. <laughs> Um, <coughs> um, I started to like meditate and think about the words that were going by, in through my head, as as you've envisioned them for me before, about like clouds. Just just let them go. Just let them go. And then it struck me that. It's, it's not just words. It's everything. Yes. Even this building. And um, I'm trying to see that I help myself, <laughs> encourage myself <laughs> to let myself go into that space because it scares the hell out of me. Um, I realize that Apparently, Buddha was enlightened and still remained on this earth <laughs> for a while, anyway. And uh, so, I'm not going to die as a result of.
2: <laughs> right. That's right. So, but it is scary because maybe you'll really, truly live, and then what? That's also frightening to the ego or to the whatever you know, the limited little self concept.
1: Yeah.
3: I I see that, too. I I do hospice work, and um, I visit patients, and I can see in them and see in myself as a result, you know, that struggle with um, letting go, and letting go, as you say, the ego. Um, It almost seems like (laughs) there might be a drug to quiet my left side of my brain.
2: There probably is. I don't know. No. Well. Uh, you, you should try them all. <laughs> and and anything else that might do it. Even ha- Look, that, that neuroscientist, Jill Bolt Taylor, had a stroke of insight, you know, and it took her 13 years to come back from losing <clears throat> whatever, half of her brain function or whatever it is. But the interesting thing is that she, if you read and you talk to her, you read what she writes and or just listen to her TED talk, you can Google it, it's fantastic. What she's talking about, about that other side of the brain, is just like what we're talking about, the difference between SEM and Rigpa, the mind with a small M or conceptual thinking, and the Buddha mind. So she also doesn't know what drug, you know, she only got there by accident through a stroke and took her 13 years of rehab to come back to where she is now, which is still slightly impaired, she told me personally. Because I asked her, so are you really back? She said, she said, emotionally, I still were quite impaired. But you can learn a lot from reading about that, because in scientific terms, she explains very well about the two sides of brain, and the intuitive, and the rational, and uh, you know, it's kind of like, the small mind and the big mind. And then you can see, you could almost consciously shift over if you have the teaching and training. And we're trying to, we're, we're, you know, like working on that beam, actually, seems to me. And we can access what you're talking about without having a stroke. But maybe we won't be living in it. We just access it briefly to begin with but that's okay it's like uh the poet saint of medieval india the great kabir says i glimpsed it for 15 seconds and it made me a servant or a devotee for life so how long does it take you know do you have to see god for a week or a day or, or a sex timeless second or what and then, of course, the practice and you know it matures and stabilizes that. And you, maybe one day you do end up living there. Or you, maybe one day you realize you're already living there, so you don't have to wait any longer. And you have access to both sides in an integrated way. Small self in service of sublime self or B- Buddhiness. Not just that you have to slay your ego or pop your ego like it's... If the ego is like a bubble in the ocean, do you really have to pop the bubble to return to the ocean? I think that's not a bad um, analogy. But you have to see through the bubble and realize ocean to understand that. Otherwise, and you can read a thousand spiritual books that talk about slaying the ego and getting rid of ego and transcending the ego, and the ego is the demon, the ego is the culprit. It's more subtle than that. That's true, and that's not the whole story. Good question, thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to Lama Suryadas' Awakening Now Hour. We very much appreciate your support and hope you will continue by going to mindpodnetwork.com suryadas and link to the donate button or go to the amazon.com link for all of your purchases. Namaste.